right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up for the day, literally, because we're talking fire birds. Kind of like the redheaded stepchild when you compare it to a Camaro, but nonetheless, a really popular car. My brother owned a it was a 67 or 8 Firebird, man. It was always a contender. It's a pretty fast car back in the day. Oh, yeah, man. You know, they all have the same innards, the same bones, pretty much. Uh, you know, the Chevy Pontiac engine thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's essentially a Camaro just, you know, in a lot of respects, not as cool. With a big nose. Yeah, it's got a beak, yeah. you know. It's got a huge nose. <laughs> it's got a, It's a car. It's a cool car with a beak. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from the back, I'm like, yeah, you got it. You got it. I go up to the... Little fins even in the rear quarters, the styling on the doors, got a little Coke bottle feel. I even, you know, across the front wheel lips and the, the hood even. And I'm like, oh, what is the nose? What's going on there? Got a little pinch nose. <laughs> yeah, we, we all know that girl. Um, or, we're, or we're that guy. Uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, you look back at him, especially the one we had on the show, and you go, damn, that's kind of a righteous ride, though. Yeah, it, it was weird, you know, working on it because, you know, I think we probably both went in with our, you know, general opinions uh, over the years. And, uh, right. you know, working on that car, it, it was very tastefully done, had nice paint on it, kind of had monochrome, you know, everything was same color. Yeah. And, uh, you know, other than. The, some reason the color of the engine it was painted like a, a see-through turquoise or something you know other than that like the car was really warming up to me you know and the more we worked on it the more <laughs> i was like dude i could drive that that's right right that's pretty righteous you know yeah had an LS conversion in it, had a decent stance, you know, but you're right. When we popped the hood and saw that seafoam, like, turquoise color, it's like, rawr, rawr, rawr. what? <laughs> Why? But ignore that a little bit. Ignore that a little bit. And, and yeah, man, the interior was super clean, really nice. Um, and at, by the end of the show, I was like, man, I would totally, I'd totally dig having this in the staple, you know? Well, we talked about it a number of times, bro. When you can put modern drivetrain, these LSs, I mean, God, there's so much aftermarket support. It's such a tried-and-true engine. It's very reliable, great power, easy to work on and tune on and easy to get in, you know, something like this. And when you see all this aftermarket support and suspension, transmissions, you know, it, it really is a great way to bring an old car to life and make it, you know, valid for today's conditions, driving, and enjoyment. Yeah, no doubt. No. Well, have you seen the prices in Camaros and, and early Firebirds? Are they tracking similarly, or is the Camaro kind of outrunning it? 
Uh, no, the Camaro has, especially in the, the last few years, really taken a stride above the Firebird. Now, when you get into the Ram Airs and the Ram Air 2 400s, a little more rare offering, th- then you'll see some bigger numbers. But, you know, as far as Gen 1, 67, 8, and 9 goes, you can't really knock that that Camaro off its platform. It it really is a bigger money ticket car. You know, I got a 67 Camaro, and everywhere I go in that thing, man, people love that first-gen Camaro. They love just the lines, the look. And, you know, I don't think Pontiac was far behind it. I mean, you put them side by side, and they're really close. You know, you could tell they had a lot of the same designs and points and styling, styling characteristics. It's just, you know, there's a few, I think, things that, you know, in a minor ways, hold it back as far as bringing big, big money and still that big demand. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And I, I kind of wonder, you know, once the prices of the, you know, the Gen 1 Camaro gets so high, I think you'll probably see a spike in Firebirds because it's like, there's so many people who are like, well, it's out of reach for me, you know, but that Firebird, you know, looks just like a Camaro, except it's got the beak. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? As you as you saw the stepbrother battle kind of roll out over the years, you know Pontiac. You know, if you take a look, for example, at a '77 Camaro and a '77 Trans Am, I don't think there's any dispute that a Trans Am is a better looking car at that at that year. You know, and as you progressed through the 80s, you know, you, you had your, you know, offerings and both of them took, you know, kind of similar trim packages and engine combos and so forth. But as you got into some of the 90s, you know, Pontiac had the Firehawk, which was a, a pretty righteous ride compared to the Camaro, you know, and the WS6 option stuff and the SSs. So Pontiac, you know, hung in there for a number of years uh, when Chevrolet decided to come back with with the Camaro, you know, in their 2000 range there, um, and Pontiac, you know, sort of took, you know, to the wayside and, and never to return. It made people probably appreciate the old offerings a little bit more. Um, but yeah, man, they styling wise, they won a few of those years. I don't think they won the war, but they definitely won a few rounds. Yeah, they they hung in there as best they could. I give them some props, you know, and uh, you know they made it all the way to what 2002. You know, 1967 yeah. to 2002, not too shabby. Now, you know, I'm with you on the late 70s Trans Ams and stuff. I like those. Uh, sure. I think kind of getting into that, uh, you know, Gen 3 and up, I just, uh, well, I always preferred the Camaro, but even the Gen 4 Camaro, I just kind of started to lose my my way on, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, until you get to the newer ones and it's like, oh, baby, bring it back. And there were a few, you know, solid efforts to try to take, you know, these later uh, Camaros and put some body kits on them and make Firebirds out of them. You know, there's a, yeah, a few yeah. diehards that were pretty geeked up about that, but I, I haven't seen very many lately and, and the buzz has kind of gone away. I don't know if that's kind of kind of done now, but uh, yeah, a few <laughs> good efforts there, man. I, I appreciate them, you know, and for the Firebird yep. fans out there, giddy up, man. You got your Firebird, which is cool, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, you know, we got to take a break now, but when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about this this 68 Firebird that we had on the show. It was an LS conversion. Like you said, the interior was nice and it, good suspension components, uh, and we had some fun upgrading it. And we'll dive into that. And Hey, man, I'll tell you, you know, I'm not stepping out of the Pontiac camp. A lot of people don't realize I got a Pontiac in the uh, project barn up here that's going to get a lot of attention next, probably this upcoming fall, early part of next year, as soon as I finish up my Bel Air and get my race car back. Um, I got a nice little Pontiac that's 
gonna get you know what and i'll tell you this bird it's even got your hand in the uh ingredients and i'll explain that uh here in just a minute yeah unbeknownst to you your hands are complacent in this build and i'll, I'll share that with you in just a minute all right it's the two guys garage podcast with kevin bird and willie b It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And today we're talking Pontiacs, kind of the redhead stepchild of the GM brand for sure. You look at Pontiacs, and unfortunately, it didn't make the cut in the early 2000s. But, you know, throughout the years, started with the 1967, you know, Pontiac Firebird. We had a 68 on the show. You know, you start to pick up some, you know, cool style points, to kind of the lead from the Chevy camp. But really, when they came out with that design, I wonder how it was back in the day because, you know, you had. Camaro and his stepbrother, the Firebird. You had, you know, say like in the 70 edition of, of Mopar, you had the Challenger and his stepbrother, the Cuda. Uh, you know, one from Dodge, one from Plymouth. And, you know, Ford had probably did the Mustang and the Mercury probably back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the one that came up first probably got all the, the proper styling, all the proportions and everything. And then someone said from the other group, you know, hey, we want one too make it off of that but change it and now you're stuck yeah. with constraints like you know it's gotta basically be that car but it's gotta look different and so you end up kind of you know force fitting <laughs> the thing and you're like oh why couldn't i be first why couldn't the firebird be first or the cougar you know yeah yeah you know and, <laughs> and then the mustang follows or whatever you know yeah no doubt but you know as far as seeing you know 67 8 9 firebirds you never see those super duties those early 70 71 through 73 super duties those were those were kind of a badass car it had that twin snorkel front end on it you know a lot of them came with that 455 high output engine you know and that was a pretty once that big old lug got moving and breathing that thing could hustle oh yeah and of course you know speed up time a little bit with all the cool upgrades that you can do i mean you could make that into any kind of wicked ride that you want, man. They, they do have a kind of a cool look to them. You know, is there one in your mind that sticks out the most, like a year or a generation that just, it's iconic or maybe you had an experience with it or something? Well, you know, this is going to, this is going to, you'll get a measurement as to the redneck level in my blood here. I mean, look, I'm not, you know, wipe my ass with a coffee filter redneck, but I do like, uh, I do like the 77 Trans Am. And I'll be yeah. honest, I'll be honest, you know, when it comes to, you know, a 77 Camaro or a 77 Trans Am, uh, I, I went with the Trans Am. So up in my project barn, I'm going to build the anti-bandit, you know, and this is, I was going to wait till the end of this segment to tell you, but you remember that nasty, nasty LS uh, next block that we did our first ARP build that put down oh, nearly yeah. 700 horsepower in a NA. Yeah, yeah man. So uh, I've acquired that engine, a 4L80 E transmission, um, suspension upgrades and really big upgraded brakes for all four corners. And I found, I traded my 1949 Studebaker pickup, my rat rod truck for this. Uh, but I found a 77 white. I, I said it was the anti bandit. So I'm doing oh. a white non-T-top Trans Am. That's spy versus spy right there, man. Yeah, it's like great. It's got the gray bird on it. It's got yeah. the natural, 
the 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 original like um, velour kind of interior. You know, the seats for that cool velour. Yeah. It's got a really cool gauge offering package with that you know kind of spun aluminum look. So yeah, man, I got that car up in the project barn. Got the transmission at the transmission shop right now, getting built actually. So yeah, I've just been acquiring parts and pieces for that thing. And as soon as I'm done with this Bel Air in my in my shop right now, that's going to be the next one that comes in for a fun upgrade. Fun upgrade. Talk about 700 NALS <laughs> yeah. sitting in there. Dang, that sucker's yeah. going to romp, man. Yeah, and I got wow. some big, you know, six, you know, six piston uh, caliber brakes. I, I got you know big wheel wood upgrades. I got really good suspension up for upgrades for it. I got a you know, nice transmission set up. I got a you know a twelve bolt for it. So I feel like that kit, that thing's gonna be just a really cool, you know, day to day driver with the old muscle car flair and feel to it. And it's just nice enough where people are gonna go, damn, that's nice. But it's just like not nice enough where I'm not afraid not to drive. I got a couple of cars I don't drive, so this one I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna be getting in and just I'm gonna be moshing around town in for sure. Are you gonna get like a, a satin jacket to drive around in that thing in? You know? well, I think that's mandatory. Like I don't own one currently, but before I take it out on the road, I feel like you almost have to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just just cause. But you got to, hey, you got to admit, man, there's something about that old Trans Am, that '77 and '8. Oh yeah, you know, there's something about that car. When I talk about iconic, that's the one. That's the one that stands out the most for me. You know, just be. I don't know. I was probably four, five, six. You know, watching the Smoking the Bandit movies. Yeah. You know, like. And talk about impression, you know, like just right, right. stuck. <laughs> like, oh, they were crazy and awesome. Like that was that was wild stuff for a you know a small kid. You know, like these guys were right. out there, you know, breaking the law, breaking the law. You know, <laughs> it was so cool. They had the girls and you know, I was like everything you could imagine. Fun as a as a kid, you know, like yeah, man, he straight stole some dude's wife, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I always appreciated that, you know, and, and obviously movie cars had a big impact in my life. Being a Charger fan, Dukes of Hazard was big in that. Right. Uh, Smoking a Bandit for sure. Uh, I always loved that one, but so many people have done the Smoking a Bandit car. I really wanted to go salt and pepper it, you know, so I was really fortunate I found a white one. Um, and it's original paint. It's got a little, you know, a little bit of the clear coat starting to peel. Um, back on the B pillar a little bit, but other than that, the car is super cherry, no rust. It's just in really good shape. Original interior. Like I knew the car it had been stored for 20 years and I kept trying to get the car, trying to get the car. And you know, the guy was like, he really, he really wanted my little Studebaker rat rod and I'd done some cool things to it. And I was like, you know what? I know I'm going to get that engine. I know I want to do that build. So let's make it happen now. So I went ahead and went with it. And me, whenever I get a car or a project, I always put it up in my project barn and acquire parts, you know, however long it takes me. Uh, and then when I got all the parts and I'm ready to pull the trigger, I bring it in the shop, blow it apart, and try to put it back together. So nice. that's always kind of how I do it. And that's, uh, that's the plan for the Trans Am. Yeah, one of my best buddies, uh, his college roommate of mine for a couple of years, uh, he had the, the Burt Reynolds version, right? Black with the fire chicken yeah. on it. Uh, drove it all around for years. I mean, so it's like right outside my apartment. You know, I pretty much lived with that thing, you know, rode in it many times. Uh, and he even had kind of the poof hair, you know, like to go along with it. It didn't look quite like Burt Reynolds, but I mean, from a little bit far away, like the thing is driving, you know, and you see the hair kind of thing. You're like, dude, right? <laughs> Burt. 
Yeah, man. So it look, I th- I really feel like that car is going to pop in value. You know, if you've been watching, I watch car values a lot because I have a lot of muscle cars. I do a lot of trading, but those cars have really bounced up lately. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I think anything that's you know, quote iconic, you know, something that uh, you can relate to, something that's made that impression on you, right, is always gonna kind of keep trending the right way. You know, I, I don't I don't know if they're gonna fall off until whatever generation of people you know, got imprinted with that. You know, it's like the duck that imprints yeah. on somebody. You know, until that whole generation's yeah. gone, uh, I, I think it's going to hold, you know. Now, there's so many there's so many cool things that you can do. Uh, you know, like you talked about all the ones that you're going to do on yours. Uh, and then we did a lot of great, lot of great upgrades on that 68 we had on the show, too. Oh, well, it's a similar thing. It's an LS swap. It's upgraded suspension, upgraded brakes. Um, you know, and I remember on that show, you had a fantastic radiator, like the radiator. We pulled that out of the box, and we we discussed this several times in our years on, on the show together, Two Guys Garage. Like, man, what if somebody made, like, something that was encapsulated, had a fan inside the, the middle of the radiator, could hold some of the housing or something? Like, I wonder what that would be like. And sure enough, we opened the box and we're like, whoa, look at that. Yeah, that was from Proform. So... You know, if you haven't seen this show, you can check out the episodes, you know, check out Motor Trend On Demand. You can see them anytime you want or, you know, go on their website. But, you know, imagine a typical radiator, right? You know, two, three inches thick. But what they did is right smack in the middle, like Willie said, they cut out a circle. Well, kind of a square. They made a square little tank, but a circle in it to put the fan motor. So you don't have the fan blades and a big, thick motor. So if you got really tight packaging... The motor's sitting right in the middle of the radiator and the water just flows right around it, keeps on going. So it's the most compact radiator fan combo that I think I've ever seen. This is pretty sweet. And I know right. I've struggled on, I don't know how many builds, you're sticking a big block where there was a small block yeah. or, you know, you name it. Or you're, you're taking a big, B, you know, LS motor and sticking it in a tiny, tiny little BMW and there is absolutely zero room to the front there to be able to drop something like that in there. And uh, meet all your cooling needs. Whew, pretty killer. Yeah, man, that was cool when we pulled it out because we're like, man, sometimes like the the old expression, you know, uh, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Um, it, it was one of those things we saw it. We're like, you know what? I'm shocked nobody had done this before because it did. It gave you, you know, just the, just the couple of inches that you would need. Like we've seen how many times, you know, quarter of an inch and eighth of an inch is all we're missing but we can't find it anywhere yeah. you know we've made everything as compact as possible and you just you can't get clearance so you got to go to a pusher setup versus a puller setup yeah. and we all know you know it's just it's a lot rougher on thermal management to try to push that air through versus pulling it so it, it really was a cool unique feature and i think man i think next time i, I go for my build i'm gonna look into that as my setup just because it was so slick and i'm always fighting that clearance yeah, and what, what's nice, too, and, and so many things in the aftermarket have evolved uh, to, to cater to our needs instead of, you know, the original hot water rotters would just take an engine out of this and stick it into that and whatever available pieces and parts. And, you know, you could only do so many combinations, and there was a few of them that everybody went to because that was the one that worked. And now the aftermarket's like, hey, I can give you I can give you a cool radiator that's compact. It's this whole, you know, integrated fan motor thing we talked about. I can give it to you for V8 conversions. I can give it to you for LS conversions. I got all the right hose diameters, you know, inlets and yeah. outlets correct. It's like, what? 
I just check the box and I order it and it's exactly what I need. I'm not out there cutting and fabricating and making adapters and splicing and, you know, so man, you can really, uh, get what you need these days for so many of these builds to build pretty wicked rides without, you know, so much of the, the task of having to, you know, re-engineer it and fabricate it. I mean, it's the stuff that we love to do, but I, I totally get, right. you know, when you can just flip right over to the, oh, it's already done for me. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I'll <laughs> yeah. take one of those, please. And one of those and those, you know, and then you're yeah, that man. much farther ahead on your project, you know? Yeah. Making what used to be fabrication only, or at least a little dive into the fabrication world. Now it's, it's bolt on and it's legit and it's great stuff. It looks good. The packaging is awesome and it, you know, it does what you're asking it to do, which is a big bonus. So we'll get more of that Firebird because that was just kind of the tip of the iceberg, literally the iceberg. Uh, we cooled down that LS, but, man, we had something more for it, too. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So stick around. This this is one of the upgrades, uh, and I think I know which one you're thinking of. Oh, yeah. Uh, you've got some I'm, I'm ordering for my next build. Yes. Uh, wicked wicked upgrade in all senses of the word so uh, yeah, you guys stick around for for some of this all right back in just a minute on the two guys garage podcast with kevin bird and willie b hey, it's the two guys garage podcast he is kevin bird i am willie b appreciate you guys grabbing some time with us this brought to you by our friends at hot shot secret their sticks and eliminator i'll tell you man this stuff is the good you know all about this stuff kev oh yeah man so Lubrication Specialties, kind of the big branded name over Hot Shot Secrets. These guys go out and solve lubrication problems. And one of them, you know, from the Huey injectors that would constantly stick. And you're talking thousands of dollars to, to go get them fixed. This guy came up with a very specific formulation to go there and clean the injectors as well as lubricate and get them moving again, right? A very perfectly good injector that's got, you know, varnishes and sludge buildup. Uh, to go in there and rejuvenate that and give you thousands and thousands of more miles uh, with being able to put in, you know, a, a small bottle product, uh, super easy way to go and make a fix, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah, well, a lot of times your components are still good. They've just, they've got very tight, you know, clearances in there and you build up a little bit of varnish, you know, a little bit of sludge and all of a sudden it just doesn't operate right. Uh, so we're big fans of Hot Shot Secret. Check them out. But this one, Stiction Eliminator, is awesome. Now, speaking of awesome. On the show, we had this righteous, it's kind of a charcoal gray 68 Firebird. The stance was right. It's funny because both Bird and I are nuts about stance. So when we saw it, we saw it on the lift in the other room, we were like, Ah, I bet it's. I bet the stance is all wrong on it. It's probably jacked up in the back and lowered in the front or something like that. But when it came off the lift, we're like, actually, stance isn't too bad on it. it. Had, you know, it was it was level. It was low. Had an LS conversion in it. Had good suspension parts on it. Upgraded brakes. The interior was really nice. Like overall, this was a great day-to-day drivers you know type hot rod yeah and it was it was completely done top to bottom but just needed a few more key elements to call it finished and and that's kind of where we came in uh you know he, he pieced it together got it kind of almost drivable uh but you know sometimes you run out of steam and uh so where this yeah. that steamroller came in and one of the upgrades you know we haven't talked about transmission yet but it had a t56 <laughs> which you know just an awesome trimic box you know, it's got the six speeds, got double overdrive in it. 
really great for shifting. He handles huge amounts of power. And, you know, those things are in everything from GT500s to Vipers to, to you name yeah. it, right? And the Camaros, the Corvette has a version of it. Uh, but he just, he needed a clutch. And, you know, there's many different ways you can go with clutches. But, you know, we went with, you know, one that, that Willie's got several of. And he just yeah. you know, raves about it. And once I saw the construction and the design... Like, I am sold. So my next build is going to have this Mantic twin disc clutch in it for sure. Yeah, man. I'm telling you, especially knowing how you drive and you love to rev match and blip the throttle and, you know, all things when it comes to road racing and, and tight courses like that. Uh, this really is the perfect type setup for you guys, man. And, and you know, I, I was pushing through clutches. I was having a hard time keeping them in my vet, which puts about 1260 at the tire uh, down. It's a, it's a pretty righteous ride. Uh, and for me, man, I kept burning up other people's company's twin disc, you know, and I'm not hating. I'm just truthing. I would literally have a, you know, a, a mile long race that I do. And, you know, within a few of those and a couple, you know, open road course days, I'd be burning through clutches. And, you know, for me, it was, it's just something I had to find some resolve. And I really found it with, with Manic, just the way everything is handled from, you know, the packaging for the moment you get it. I remember on the show, we're like, we're like, look at this crazy James Bond style suitcase, man. No doubt. I'm ready to open it up and there's like a shaker and a vodka or <laughs> whatever. <in Yeah>. <laughs> but now it's a sweet ass, you know, clutch setup. Uh, but yeah, for those of you who aren't familiar with twin discs, uh, right, you've got a normal clutch. It's got one disc in there. You know, it's full diameter that fits in the bell housing. And uh, once you start jacking up power, man, you get over five, 600 horsepower. Uh, you're pretty much beyond most clutches. And so what do you do? You add more spring pressure, right? More, more force on that clutch. Uh, and what does that mean? That means more foot pressure, man. It means you, your calf right. is burning <laughs> and it makes all of a sudden driving go downhill. Like the more power you make should make you happier. But when you got to push a clutch like that in, it makes you sadder. That's not right, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you do? You yeah. can add discs, right? So when you add a disc, you just layer them, right? You've got one disc up against the flex plate or the flywheel. You've got kind of an intermediate uh, plate in there. Then you can stack another disc, and then you got your pressure plate. Uh, but when you stack them like that, all of a sudden, you can double the amount of you know torque capacity with the same amount of spring pressure, pressure and the same amount of foot pressure. So all of a sudden, now... You know, if you haven't doubled the horsepower, you can actually start shrinking down those those discs. You can, you know, keep really light effort on your foot. Uh, so now you got the best of all worlds, right? An easy shifting clutch and something that can handle a ton of power and torque. Yeah, man, and you really feel that when you're when you're out on the track, when you're out on the course, and when you're out there driving. You know, how many times have you you know beat it up on a road course and You'll get some fade. You'll you'll smell the clutch when you come back. You're like, woo, yeah. Rough day on that one, man. Rough day. But this thing is made for abuse, and really, I love how quick they fling. I love how everything is in the package. And a lot of times, you know, they don't come with everything you get in the manic manic setup. You know, from the flywheel, which we you know noticed was significantly lighter. <laughs> like it was, you know, it was a forty pound flywheel we had in that thing compared to. Whatever it was, you know, from the manic setup, it was, I mean, unbelievable the difference. Just in that alone, you know what that means out on the track. Yeah, and if you've never driven anything with a, a light flywheel clutch setup, uh, so your engine snaps up, 
right? You put a certain amount of mass back there on purpose. And, you know, for daily drivers, uh, it, it adds stability. So when you're doing that first uh, launch or if you're in a, you know, first gear parking lot mode, you don't get the chugging and whatnot, uh, you know, and that's a production car. You stick a 35, 45 pound flywheel on there uh, and it adds stability, but it also slows things down. So shrink that down enough to where you're not into a full race, you know, where you can't hardly launch it in first gear. You got to get up in second, third real fast. Uh, but you get just that right balance of weight reduction, inertia reduction, and you feel you you sit there in neutral and just rev your engine. Vroom, vroom. You can see the revs come up faster. You know, when you put it in gear and launch, you'll go faster. And especially if you start to heel toe, where you're trying to rev match your engine to the driveline speed when you dumped your clutch back in, yeah, uh, you can be off by a little bit because there's so much less inertia in your engine that when you, you know, re-engage the clutch and you're off by a few RPM, you don't go, oh, you know, like you don't feel the jerky motion. It just snaps the engine up to or down to the RPM that it should be to match the driveline speed. And it just makes it so buttery smooth and you can almost do no wrong, you know, yeah, man. like it just, boom, 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 you know, downshifts and it's nasty. Oh it's, man. Yeah. It's forgiving. And dude, it is all performance built. You know, it's got the performance kind of thing aspects in mind. Um, and it definitely is, is serving the performance market. So if you plan on just turning laps and you really want that quick response and like he said, that little flick, that that little snap, uh, man, you'll definitely find that. Um, and they even go as far as to do the seven inch triple disc setups for a bunch of LS platforms. And you know, that's when you're getting into big boosted power and you're looking for even more of that that surface area, you know, and you know, as as you were talking about, it compounds. Once you get one, add that to the friction material, and the next one, and then a triple plate allows it. You know, big numbers. We're talking, you know, nine hundred, a thousand foot pounds of torque. You know, big big horsepower. No, like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen hundred more. Like these guys are building clutches to handle it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of putting together my my little parts list, my build plan for my '65 Fastback Mustang. And, uh, you know, we built the motor on the show last year, made almost 1,100 horsepower and I was like 870 foot pounds. And Stop rubbing it in, man. Stop rubbing yeah. it in. Jesus. Well, you know, I, I was talking to him <laughs> after we did the show because I got kind of geeked up on all the features and things. And, uh, yeah, dude, 870 foot pounds, 1,100 horsepower, a twin disc, pff, money. And, you know, for yeah. whatever reason, I could find another couple hundred uh, like you said, they're upgradable, so you can add a third disc to it, right? So yeah, you can kind of yeah. grow. So if you're thinking of adding nitrous, if you're thinking of adding a blower plus nitrous, like, you know, kind of a cool way to go. You can you can walk up your setup uh, with, you know, whatever crazy credit card bill you want to have, you know, upgrading your performance, right? Yeah. Killer, killer upgrade. If you're If you got anything making some power and you're in a manual, really consider a twin disc and then look at some of the features and make sure that it's going to make you happy in the end. Yeah, man. And that's the great part. They'll walk with you through those steps. You can just call them and, you know, say I have A, B, and C and plan on making this much power. And, you know, they'll walk you through what, what they think is the best setup since they've done so many applications. So it definitely made a big difference on that car, as it would on any car for that matter. Um, going from something, you know, as heavy and had so much inertia working against you as that did to – there's something that feels so much more responsive. It, it really does give you a different type car to drive 
when you're pitching it, when you're grabbing gears on takeoff, you, you'll be surprised at how different the car feels and how alive all of a sudden it comes, you know, when you're, when you're really banging gears. Yeah, and I just refuse. I refuse to drive or own a car. I mean, I'll, I'll drive any car if it's awesome, but I refuse to own a car that's got a heavy clutch pedal. You know, it's just instantly like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go have five minutes of fun for sure. But if I get stuck in traffic, I'm going to want to throw this car in a ditch. You know, oh, like, yeah, man, oh. Oh, man really- if you've ever been in a traffic jam, even with a regular clutch, now you double that effort, you know, and you're you got that leg shake, you know, yeah, like, yeah, dude, call it the sewing exactly machine effect, about, you know, man. like you're Ooh. cramping up. You're like, oh, can I change with my other leg somehow? Can I cross my legs and throttle with my left foot now? And. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like a left leg leg press. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, whoever came up with a twin disc uh, should just get some kind of bonus. Yeah, man. Because they really saved us, you know, especially because the power just keeps going skyrocketing the last, you know, 10 years or so. Exactly. So, look, uh, we would definitely recommend that. And a few of the other upgrades, we went to Fragrolio Fuel Lines, which was really cool, really easy. A lot of people convert their stuff over to E85. I'm a big advocate for E85. It's a little tougher yeah. to find here in Colorado. But when you do that, make sure you're wise about everything that that fuel is touching, everything the fuel is going through, all the lines, hoses, all the uh, fittings. Make yeah, sure the O-rings. Yeah, man, because yep. it will it will just decimate a fuel system really fast. Uh, and a lot of guys have learned that the hard way. Even if you run a carburetor, I've got a you know a, bar- a Barracuda out there, six seven Barracuda with a five hundred cubic inch big block. I have it spraying nitrous and have it on E eighty five, and I've got you know no carburetor, but they run the adapted you know carburetor plates with the green. You know you want the green sort of um, gaskets and uh, material for and E eighty five you know hose lines and, and you'll be fine. But just make sure you do your homework and fix everything that's. You know, not E85 friendly because you'll regret it if you don't. Yeah, and it's nice to get, you know, at least some level of, uh, you know, E10, E20, uh, you know, capability, even if you don't go E85. Because, you know, I've got, uh, you know, lawnmower and snowblower, and I've got just regular pump gas that's eaten up hoses and just thrown, you know, hose debris all in the carburetors. You know, I've had to rebuild them, you know, just from a, a certain batch of fuel, you know, that may have had too much ethanol in it. So, you know, get that little extra protection, even if you're not going to run E85. And uh, what's cool is, you know, like Fergola we had on the show, we had three different types of hoses. Uh, and Willie did a great job kind of explaining, you know, the differences between the construction. So, you know, like they're easy street. If you want your car to look really factory, you know, it looks like a factory rubber hose. Yeah, that was slick. Uh, but it's got all the upgrades, you know, with the structure and the material. Uh, you know, everybody loves the steel braided from way back when, but they've got kind of the uh, race right pro that's got that aramid braid on the outside. You know, their, their 6,000 series is pretty bitching. Uh, so there's a lot of ways that you can do your, your fuel lines, uh, and hoses and connections. Uh, and you know, if you go and watch the show, you'll see Willie, you know, give a nice demonstration of just how easy it is to put your own fittings on. So then you can make custom lines like you see on top-notch race cars, top-notch builds, uh, and it doesn't take much. It takes a little bench vise, yeah. uh, a little aluminum wrench, and you know, be careful because those are anodized aluminum pieces. You don't want to scratch them all up with a big metal vise. You know, use some soft jaws. Yeah. Hey, and you better cut your links to fit because you can't go back and pull those fittings off. Forget about it. 
like you know they're yeah they're legit yeah depending on a fitting some of them you can redo and other ones yeah they're there that's <laughs> like it. the push lock ones that, yeah they say they, lock you know they <laughs> they kind of mean it uh but when you have the multi-piece like an fittings uh yeah you can reuse them which is great and a, a little tip uh if you don't have the aluminum wrenches which are cheap and easy just buy them but sometimes uh you know your fitting sizes and you got your lineup of wrenches you're like wait i'm missing this wrench or something i, I use uh, an adjustable crescent wrench and i'll just take you know painter's tape tape yeah uh, whether it's automotive or house and i'll like just tape uh any of the contact surfaces on the adjustable wrench and i can you know tighten it right up on the fitting and do all my work and not scratch it up and it still looks great and you got any size you want so great little tip it's worked for me hundreds of times when you just don't have that right wrench size yeah man it looks great to pop the hood and everything's custom it looks great everything's you know all the lines are the same and they're cut the right you know distance and they're ran the right way it's just you know fit finish on your ride makes a big impact and big difference man so definitely check out the show man you'll see the 68 firebird we're working on as well as our other shows they air weekends on the motor trend network episodes also now streaming on motor trend on demand so you can pick us up there to catch any past shows Thanks, my man Kevin. I am Willie B, our producer of Scoop, and our executive producer is Bob Ecker. Yeah, and while you're checking out our show, don't forget to check out the website too, man. We got tons of great content on there. We got links to all our podcasts, so you can go real easy and pick up, you know, the next one or two or ten or all of them. Uh, and check us out on on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. Now, Two Guys Garage podcast is a copyright 2020 Britain Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. All right, seriously, man, my anti bandit. You gonna you gonna dig that car? Oh yeah, dude. Absolutely. That thing's going to be killer. No T-tops. Velour, I'll get you a satin jacket, and we'll uh, we'll row, bro. It'd be awesome. <laughs> Two satin jackets, man. We'll be styling. We just got to work on the, the hair, you know, the perm, the yeah. hair perm. We'll get you a wig. Yeah, one of those sun visors that have the hair built in, you know? I was just going to say it, dude. You beat me to it. Oh, right on, man. <laughs> we'll catch you guys on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Take care. See you guys. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.